A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. that human beings are demons. No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. There's probably a, a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but I think no. He is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. mission really is to just help people of faith especially to re-examine this issue to realize the church has got things wrong in the past for those who are God's by faith in his son Corinthians right two Corinthians three seven victory in the name which is above every name no exception for rape or incest uh it's an extreme Right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name, get out here right now. You ain't got no sin in your life, it's a good time to die. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Master's Dog episode 86. I'm your host, the Evangelical Norm. Uh, the Master's Dog is a podcast to bring awareness to false teachers and false teachings. Uh, a lot of it that I deal with is Mormonism because it started out dealing with the three Mormons now known as Saints Unscripted Podcast, and a segment they did called Faith and Beliefs. So this podcast was originally titled Faith and Beliefs Refuted, and I was just responding to the Saints Unscripted Podcast, Faith and Beliefs, where they were talking about they started with the LDS Articles of Faith, and so I wanted to respond and show how each one of these was not Christian, how it did not line up with mainstream Christianity, And then when they continued on beyond the Articles of Faith, I kept going and committed that I would respond to every single one of their episodes that they released uh, in that segment of their podcast. Later on, I expanded to dealing with other false teachings, false prophets. Last week's episode was uh, about the false prophets of the Trump cult. So other false teachings that happen elsewhere in uh, the Christian realm, we'll call it. So that's when the the name changed to the master's dog based off of the Calvin quote that you heard at the beginning of the intro. And 
then it actually will get another episode coming up here pretty soon. Uh, this week's false teacher of the week, which, so it expanded into that segment of this podcast. So a lot of stuff going on, but that's a little background on the podcast. If you're new, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing because there's a lot of false teachers out there and not, I, I'm not, I can't, I can't respond to every single one of them, but the ones that I can that kind of fall into my wheelhouse where I've studied or been exposed to those false teachings, I kind of deal with it in that way. So this week, we are back with our friends from Saints Unscripted, well, our friend David Snell uh, from Saints Unscripted in the Faith and Belief segment, which he specifically does which is specifically scripted. So it's the scripted portion of the Saints Unscripted podcast, Faith and Beliefs. So David does this and he just, uh, you know, some of the stuff, it just really, I almost go, there's no need to respond to that because it doesn't, it has nothing to do with anything, but I've committed. And so I respond and generally God does something and brings out some kind of teaching in there or something like that. So they all, I hope they're all useful to you. Maybe they're not all. Maybe some of them is just me bloviating over someone else's bloviation. But we'll get to it. So today, David is going to take us to the Hill Cumorah and kind of talk about uh, one of the questions that is asked quite often. Actually, it's a specific question that is asked in this book, Mormonism, Changes, Contradiction, and Errors. Um, There's a specific question in here. Uh, absurdity, absurdities in Mormonism, and it is basically if uh, there's a huge battle on the Hill Cumorah, um, could hundreds of thousands die at at and near Hill Cumorah and leave no artifacts behind as evidence? So David is basically going to respond to that question, um, and then we're going to kind of respond to that a little bit as well. So. As he talks, I may stop him. You know you know how this works. If you've been here with us before, if you're new, what happens, I play the video, let him talk, stop him, interact. This is how we do. It's basically a reaction video, but uh, a little more in-depth. So with all that being said, here is our friend David Snell from Saints Unscripted with the Hill Camora. All right, guys. So what you're looking at right now is the hill from which Joseph Smith removed the ancient Book of Mormon plates in 1827. Latter-day Saints call it the Hill Cumorah. Now, if you've read the Book of Mormon, you'll recall that the Nephites make their majestic last stand against the Lamanites also by a hill which was called Cumorah. So naturally, a lot of people have the same question posed by Shuzi7 on our channel a while back. 230,000 people are supposed to have perished in wars on and around Hill Cumorah in New York, approximately about 400 AD. Where are the bones of horses, humans? Where are the swords, the spears, the armor, the bows and arrows, and the chariots? Like Luke Skywalker and Harry Potter, which are fiction, so is the Book of Mormon. Blessings to you. Shuzi7 brings up an understandable question, so let's see what we can find out. Okay, let's find out. Alright guys, so here's where the rubber meets the road. The Hill Cumorah in New York was not called the Hill Cumorah until the mid-1830s, long after Joseph had retrieved the plates from the hill. But once different church leaders like William W. Phelps and Oliver Cowdery started calling it Hill Cumorah, it caught on, and that became the name the saints culturally assigned to the hill. 
but there's no evidence from the 1820s and 30s that Joseph Smith ever called this the Hill Cumorah. The first time he calls it Cumorah, which is recorded in Doctrine and Covenants section 128, is after the membership had already started calling it by that name, and Latter-day Saints have been calling it Cumorah ever since. In fact, when you read the first volume of the church's recent history book, Saints, you'll notice that they don't ever call the Hill Cumorah. Historians Jed Woodworth and Matt Groh wrote, the main historical source concerning events at the Hill between 1823 and 1827 comes from the history Joseph Smith began in 1838. There, Joseph uses the term Hill, never Hill Camorra. But that raises the question, why did early Latter-day Saints start to call this Hill Camorra in the first place? And the answer to that is, it probably stems from a misreading of the Book of Mormon. A prophecy that misread could have been Mormon chapter 6 states that the prophet Mormon buried ancient records in the Hill Cumorah. I made this record out of the plates of Nephi and hid up in the Hill Cumorah all the records which had been entrusted to me by the hand of the Lord. If you stop reading there, it'd be easy to assume, okay, Joseph found the plates in this hill, Mormon said he buried them in the Hill Cumorah, so this must be the Hill Cumorah. But the rest of the verse is rather important. I made this record out of the plates of Nephi and hid up in the hill Cumorah all the records which had been entrusted to me by the hand of the Lord, save it were these few plates which I gave unto my son Moroni. In other words, Mormon buried all the records he had in the hill Cumorah except the Book of Mormon record, which was later buried by Moroni. So the hill Cumorah mentioned in the Book of Mormon is literally the place where Mormon says the golden plates are not buried. Anything else? Nothing but rocks and dirt, sir. On top of that, scholars have looked into the geographic details given in the Book of Mormon about the Hill Cumorah, and they've compared those details with this New York location. Not surprisingly, the New York Hill simply does not match up very well with what a careful reading of the Book of Mormon says about the Hill Cumorah. Probably because it's not the Hill Cumorah. I'm gonna ask you this one time. Where is Gomorrah? I will note that the church does not have an official position on this issue, and some people have different theories about all this. Some adhere to the heartland model of Book of Mormon geography and assert that the New York Hill really is the same hill described in the Book of Mormon. I strongly disagree with those theories, but I officially acknowledge them. Thanks for noticing me. Most Latter-day Saints who are familiar Okay, at this point, I really actually have to pause and, and speak over it just because of, uh, for copyright issues, uh, I can't just play the entire video in my video without making some kind of commentary on it. So here's the problem. Here's what we run into. It's very convenient that you just, okay, well, we can't figure out geography and so on and blah, 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 and this and that, and potentially that none of the other supposed plates were recovered or so many things that we could do here, but it's so convenient that we just go, eh, it's somewhere else. We just change it. As a child, as a Mormon growing up until I left the Mormon church when I was 19, it was always taught to me, every teacher I had, when it came to the, the discussion of Hill Cumorah, Hill Cumorah was the hill in New York. Nobody I ever met Growing up in, in, in Mormonism, never listening to any general authorities or anything like that, was Hill Cumorah referred to anything other than that particular hill in New York. It is a recent thing where these things are split simply because the geography does not hold up. So rather than 
what happens with Bible and so on and the lands and so on. When we go, okay, well, this place that we found is obviously not uh, Sodom or Gomorrah, what we're looking for. Let's go look somewhere else. And this is how archaeology has found many of the places that the Bible talks about. In the Book of Mormon, they go, well, we just don't know. We just don't have any idea, and we don't have anybody. I mean, literally, there are billions of dollars within the Mormon church. You would think that they could send some archaeologists from BYU or BYU-Hawaii or BYU-Idaho or any other number of church-owned schools down to this area and do, I mean, start doing some in-depth archaeology and start trying to find the geography that matches. But they don't. They don't. Why? Because they don't want to find it. There's no desire to find it. One, because I'm pretty sure they're confident that it's not there. Those who are in the know recognize that there's no plates, there's no hill, there's nowhere where there was any kind of battle. And two, once they don't, once it, it comes to the point where none of it hap- actually happens, then they are literally exposed. At this point, they have plausible denial. You know, oh, there's so much. I mean, we heard about it a week or two ago, last week or whatever. Oh, there's, well, there's so much area and we've only explored a 1% of it. And it's so big and it's so vast and we just can't. And excuse after excuse after excuse, essentially. I mean, does any of that prove that it's not there? No, but I'm actually going to give you some information that actually proves that what David is saying here is not true and that the heartland uh, model or whatever he just called it is actually what was held to by Joseph Smith as well. So I'm going to let him continue on and then we're going to talk about a couple of other things. Familiar with this subject believe that the Book of Mormon Hill Cumorah is most likely somewhere down in Mesoamerica, which is where most Latter-day Saint scholars believe the events of the Book of Mormon took place. The- so, li- Note that very well. Mesoamerica is where these events, where this huge battle, where all this stuff, where the Hill Camorra and all these things takes place, is Mesoamerica. Most LDS scholars believe this. The assumption is that after the final Nephite battle, Moroni traveled for 36 years and eventually buried the plates in the New York Hill, which he does not name. Okay. 36 years of travel from Moroni carrying these plates, which would have been extremely heavy, by the way. So I'm just pointing that out. You know, the the fact that they show him traveling with whatever these things were in like a backpack or something is highly unlikely. But 36 years of travel it took him to get from Mesoamerica to uh, the New York area hill uh, where there was a hole that he buried the plates in there. So... In summary, the Hill Cumorah was where the last great Nephite battle went down and where Mormon did not bury the golden plates. This is the hill where the golden plates were found and absent are any artifacts of any kind of major warfare. Now we're going to get to the point. Now we're going to actually get to some information because this is what is being said now. That no wars were taking place on this hill in New York, but the plates, the the golden plates or the plates with the appearance of gold were found in this place so now we have to go and let's look at another story that joseph smith taught we're going to look at another thing that was taught by joseph smith and this is where where the rubber meets the road guys 
let me introduce you to the, the a man named Zelf. So this is from the Joseph Smith History, History of the Church, uh, Volume 2, 79, pages 79 and 80. On top of the mound were stones, which presented the appearance of three altars having been erected one above the other, according to the ancient order, and the remains of bones were strewn over the surface of the ground. The brethren procured a shovel and a hoe, and removing the earth to the depth of about one foot, discovered the skeleton of a man, almost entire, and between his ribs the stone point of a Lamanitish arrow. Okay, now let me stop here for a minute, because Joseph was able to actually identify this as a Lamanitish arrow. Where, but, uh, you know, last week in the episode, or two weeks ago in the episode where there's no evidence found, basically they said, well, you know, the arrows and stuff and all the other uh, civilizations and stuff, nobody could really identify what was Lamanite and what was Mayan or, uh, you know, Oltec or whatever, any of these other uh, groups, the, the cultures in those areas. No one could, could really identify them. But supposedly Joseph was immediately able to identify this arrow as Lamanite-ish. So, you know, but again, prophets and all. Which evidently produced his death. Elder Burr Riggs retained the arrow. The contemplation of the scenery around us produced peculiar sensations in our bosoms. So they started having burning in the bosoms. And something, so the Holy Spirit was testifying to them of the truthfulness of, or, or some, something. Um, and subsequently, the visions of the past being opened up to my, Joseph Smith's, understanding by the Spirit of the Almighty. I discovered that the person whose skeleton was before us was a white Lamanite, a large, thick-set man, and a man of God. His name was Zelf. We'll get to the white Lamanite thing just in passing. Uh, supposedly, when Lamanites, Joseph Smith taught, and the Book of Mormon has been changed multiple times on this thing, that when Lamanites quit being evil and following af and, and turned to follow after God, they became white and delightsome. Here's another one of those points where it proves that this is what Joseph Smith meant. This was a white Lamanite, not a dark-skinned Lamanite. His name was Zelf. He was a warrior and chieftain under the great prophet Onondagus, who was known from the Hill Cumora or Eastern Sea to the Rocky Mountains. Joseph Smith is telling us right now, 1834... 1834, History of the Church, Volume 2, 79 and 80, that Hill Cumorah was the eastern sea to the Rocky Mountains, heartland, this area. Um, yeah, the curse was taken from Zelf, the curse of dark skin, or at least in part, one of his thigh bones was broken by a stone flung by a sling, while in battle, years before his death. He was killed in battle by the arrow found among his ribs during the last great struggle of the Lamanites and Nephites, which is this battle, which they're in the heartland. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not 100% sure exactly where they were when they, they found Zelf, um, but they were, they were in North America, not Mesoamerica. Okay, so, um, according to Elder Kimball's journal, the facts concerning the person whose bones had been found in the ground were not revealed to the Prophet Joseph until the camp had departed 
from the mound. He says, while on our way, we felt anxious to know who the person was or who had been killed by the arrow. It was made known to Joseph that he was an officer who fell in battle at the last destruction among the Lamanites, and his name was Zelf. This caused us to rejoice much, to think that God was so mindful of us that, as to show us the things to his servant, Brother Joseph had inquired of the Lord, and it was made known in a vision, June 3rd, 1834, History of the Church, 280, footnote. Um, okay. So, here again, we have Joseph Smith. They fa they're traveling along with some brothers in somewhere in North America. I, I, I forget exactly where it was that they found Zelf. I thought, I thought it was somewhere in Illinois or somewhere, but it could still be 1834. It's li likely still somewhere in New York. But they're traveling. They find some bodies. They dig up this guy that's only a foot deep, and he's got an arrow in his ribs, and this is a Lamanite who was killed in this great battle. So supposedly, there's some evidence of this battle happening up in this area that was found by Joseph and the brothers. Okay, David, now you have to explain that to us. The only evidence of a battle in this area is a couple of bodies that were found, one of which Joseph identified as Zelf, a white Lamanite who was killed by a Lamanite Asherah in his ribs. So obviously he was turning traitor against the Lamanites, turning into a white man uh, to be with the Lamanites, or partially had turned, and then they killed him. This is the story of Zelf, uh, and this is in direct contradiction to what it is that David is teaching us here. And again, this is the history of Mormonism, of deceit and deception and changes and rearranges and all these different things that come along when suddenly it, it proves that the Book of Mormon is not the most correct book in the world and the, the evidence for the Book of Mormon is just not able to be found. And so they have to move it down into another area of the country but all the while, Joseph Smith's shenanigans and history make it impossible for them to do so. So, again, um, I mean, there's a, there's a little bit longer in his little talk here. I don't even think we need to let him continue on because, I mean, obviously, we have found the contradictory evidence to what it is that he is teaching here. Um, so let that be as it is. I mean, be what it may be, what it, whatever you want to call it. But the reality is, is when they cannot find the evidence in archeology, span bibliography, uh, you know, history or any of the geography or any of these things, they have to make stuff up and they have to start going through scientific acrobatics and so on to try to show well this really could still be true but we just have to move it to another area it's just like evolutionists do uh atheists and so on with evolution is they continue to just lengthen out the timeline oh well this couldn't possibly have happened in in 800 million years well let's make it a billion well it couldn't happen in a billion years let's make it 3.4 billion and the the timeline continues to get longer to accommodate what they say must have happened where biblically we see the reality and the truth. So there you go, guys. Um, why there is there no evidence of, of a battle in, in the upper New York area? Because there was no battle. There was no battle down in Mesoamerica. There was none of this because none of it happened. It was all the imaginations of the boy, man, whatever, 
Joseph Smith, who is a false prophet of teaching a false gospel of a false Christ, believing in a false God, which can lead to nowhere but false hope for those who are part of that church. So I beg you, my Mormon friends, get out of this church while you still can. Find a nice Bible-believing church where you can get plugged into and, and hear good, solid theological teaching. And my Christian friend, as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria. Mm-hmm.